You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Okay, welcome to this podcast on safe liver cleansing. I am so excited to talk to you about this, uh, this issue of liver cleansing and how, when, and why, and who should do a liver cleanse. You know, I, I think I learned this, this cleanse uh, way back in Colorado in, in chiropractic college back in the early 80s. You know, some 30 years I've been using this cleanse. It's been around forever. And I actually, and to, um, to make this easier for you guys and to make this safe for you guys, I actually the, the, the really had to put together an ebook, about a 30 to 45 page ebook, giving you step by step prerequisites to make sure that when you do a liver cleanse, that you know it's safe for you. Okay? And uh, so that will be available uh, coming up very soon, like this Thursday, we'll have it available. It'll be free, anybody can have it. Um, but uh, it's just loaded with really, inf- really wonderful information. And one of the things I did, I did a, like a history on this liver cleanser, where it came from. Of course, now, the liver cleanse I'm talking about is sort of the classic using Epsom salt and apple juice and, and lemon to uh, help purge and flush the gallbladder. If we go way back in Ayurvedic medicine, we know that, that even in Ayurvedic medicine, they use ghee, clarified butter, with lemon. The traditional way of taking the ghee in the morning when we do our short home cleanse and our Colorado cleanse was taking ghee with lemon, and that was a, a natural gallbladder flush. One of the premises of, of the, the Ayurvedic cleanses was to force the gallbladder to decongest because the gallbladder, as we'll talk about tonight, is the kingpin of the digestive process. So it's very, very important as to to make sure that that gets cleaned out. Um, I found some articles in 1882 and 1885, two different articles in the British Journal of Medicine talking about the benefits of a liver cleanse using olive oil and lemon juice or, or vegetable oils and lemon juice together to flush the gallbladder. I thought that was fascinating because now, today, fast forward all these years, the researchers spend most of their time trying to debunk this idea of liver cleansing, that it has no value, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but, but the reason why I was so, so uh, before I go on that point, in 1880s, the medical journals were, were writing about stuff that worked, that they discovered, and they were interested in, in telling people about stuff that worked. Now, we're sort of, medical journals are interested in if it wasn't invented here it doesn't exist and i just think it's so amazing that that the researcher community doesn't really want to help understand why people are having all these amazing benefits now that said i never have felt that this cleanse was for anyone anytime as you know i have over a thousand articles and videos online for free we have a ton of ebooks online for free I put everything that I can online for free, and I never felt comfortable putting this liver cleanse, which is on the web everywhere, to do it for free for anybody, anytime. I didn't feel it was really safe to do. Um, However, since it's had a sort of a recent insurgence of popularity lately, and everybody seems to be doing it again, I felt like people need to know how to ensure that they're doing it safely. Because there are casualties. 
people oftentimes don't do really well. I've got a handful of questions already that we printed out for this podcast, and a handful of the questions are people who already have had side effects from doing the cleanse on their own from the web. Uh, I have seen people, when they do a liver flush prematurely and their liver is, uh, and they're not ready to do a flush like that, seen them fall into deep levels of chronic fatigue, deep levels of depression, chronic headaches, exhaustion, depletion, um, things that just you don't want to have to go through. And so what I did in the ebook is I put together a series of prerequisites that I have been using in my practice for 30 years before I would actually let people know that, you know what, I think it's time for you to do this liver cleanse. I think it's perfect for you. So instead of like just giving it to my patients, I don't see that many patients anymore, I felt like it was time for me to write that protocol down so I could then give you the information so at least there's something you can go to to know if this is really the safest thing for you to do. And it's the right time for you to do. And what I thought was really maybe more interesting than any of that was that that when people would go through these prerequisites, most of their liver gallbladder concerns disappeared anyway, and they didn't even really need to do the liver cleanse in a more safe, kind, gentle way. Trust me, this liver flush is not what I would call gentle. And I wouldn't call it, it's a, it can be rough water for a lot of people. You have to have a level of stamina to handle it because it's a rough night for sure. Um, uh, However, once you go through these prerequisites and you still want to go after your liver and get out, get out some deeper old congestion out of your liver, I'm all for it. And I think it's a great, great cleanse. But I do think to, to ward off and prevent uh, any unforeseen issues and concerns, going through these prerequisites are very important. And that is exactly what the ebook is about. It goes through a month of prerequisites that you do prior to the cleanse. And then it teaches you exactly how to do the cleanse, the one cleanse that I've been doing uh, for about the last 30 years and have great, great success with it. So that's what the ebook's about. So if you don't remember anything I say tonight, it doesn't really matter because the ebook's going to come out on Thursday. You can have that. Read it step by step by step. I'm super happy with this. And I'm really happy to be able to tell folks about this because it's something that I was frustrated about, conflicted about putting this on the web because of the potential risks that are involved and, and, the, and the feedback that I get from folks who did it off the web and even off the book that's out there, the liver cleansing book by Andreas Morris, who's a good, great guy, but there, there, there uh, are still people who, who I think are not ready for that and, and this is a, a step-by-step procedure. I'm going to go over and outline that for you tonight uh, and then I'll try to get to all your questions, okay? So that's what it's about. The history I thought was fascinating. Um, a couple of things about the liver cleanse. When I, when I dug into the research, and that was a lot of, it's the other thing that, that lacks with this whole liver cleansing thing, there's zero science about it. Even in the, the book I was mentioning, zero science. Uh, uh, all the other books that mention the liver cleanses, zero science behind it. So I, I really dug into the research, and I, I, and I gave this sort of, I've got about maybe 60 or 70 uh, scientific references to support what we're talking about in this process of liver cleansing and the preparatory steps, which I think is important to, as you know, my whole thing at LifeSpot.com is proving ancient wisdom with modern science. And I think when you put the two together, you've got something that is really, really valuable. You have just the ancient wisdom alone, great. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But um, when you have science behind it, it gives us all a, a, a platform of security uh, and scientific validation with 
thousands of years or maybe not that long with this. Well, to a certain extent, it's, I think this cleanse has been evolving for a very, very, very long time. Okay, why do we get, why do we need a liver cleanse in the first place? Well, there's a handful, a handful of reasons for this. And, and I think the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the causes for sure are, and I'll save the best for last, Stress, okay? Stress is, is far and away. We, we live in a 24-7 society that stress is processed through our intestinal tract that irritates the intestinal lining, the skin of your intestinal tract, alters the microbiology in your intestinal tract, and uh, now we have an inability for the microbes to sort of do their job and the intestinal skin to do its job. If the intestinal skin is not doing job, constipation or looser stools, you end up with, or even good bowel movements, but a lot of times we produce a lot of reactive mucus, a line along our intestinal skin that helps us go to the bathroom regularly, but still there's a reactive mucus layer that doesn't give you absorption or help support a healthy microbiology, so bad things happen uh, in the intestinal skin, in the lymph around the intestinal skin, but also toxins get reabsorbed back to your liver. And that's exactly where they go. They don't pass go. They don't get 200 bucks. Everything from your intestinal tract, if it doesn't go out, goes back to your liver. That's bad. Liver gets congested, bile becomes thick. Now we have liver, gall, gallbladder, bile issues. Uh, the bile, think about it, is a Pac-Man gobbling up toxins, chemicals, plaque, all kinds of undesirable things inside your liver. Eat a fatty meal, the bile goes into your intestinal tract, scrubs your intestinal skin, cleans out all your villi, scrub, scrub, scrub. Bile is very, very, very important. And without good, adequate bile flow, some not so wonderful things can begin to happen. Uh, a couple of things like, for example, poor bioflow means that there's not an adequate amount of buffering for the stomach acid that we need to cook a lot of the harder to digest foods, like eating wheat in my new book. It talks a lot about this concept in great detail, by the way. Um, and other hard to digest foods that we have a difficult time getting, all the growing number of food intolerances that we have are oftentimes come by a dialed down digestive fire acid in your stomach because there wasn't enough bile to buffer the acid. So over time, to some extent, you know what? I'm gonna stop making the acid because there's no bile down there and this acid is burning a hole through things like my stomach and therefore I'm gonna dial down the, the production of the acid to match the lack of bile flow and the lack of bile flow is caused by stress, constipation, toxins coming back to the liver, causing liver congestion, and a medical term which is actually called bile sludge. It's actually called medical, it's actually a medical term. And guess what? The number one elective surgery in America today, guess what it is? It's a removal of your gallbladder is the number one elective abdominal surgery in America today. Over 750,000 of those a year. Okay, so something's not right when we're pulling gallbladders out of people on a very regular basis, number one, um, elective surgery. So this is a, a real problem. Stress being one factor. The other factor, uh, constipation. The other factor is pesticides. Pesticides in all the foods, one study showed that 65% of the rainfall fall has glyphosate in it. Um, Pesticides on so many of the foods that we eat, unless you're eating organic, which is impossible to do. You go to a restaurant, it's not organic. We, we, we can't navigate only organic foods. We can do our best. But there's mercury on every organic vegetable from the coal mine plume. So there's toxins, environmental pollutants and toxins and pesticides that kill the microbes 
that make the enzymes that help us digest, hard to digest things like wheat and dairy and nuts and seeds and grains and legumes, right? So those are really important. Without those bugs, the whole digestive process dials down. And then the final kicker of all is the processed nature of the foods we eat. In 1960, you've heard me say this a million times, they took cholesterol out of their diet. They thought it was related to heart disease, which it wasn't. But they replaced cholesterol, which is fatty, saturated fats, coconut oil, butter, ghee, animal fats. They replaced that with cooked, refined, bleached, boiled, omega-6, polyunsaturated vegetable oils like soy oil, uh, sunflower, safflower oils that have been bleached and deodorized to the point where they become relatively undigestible by us and completely uninteresting to our microbiology. That's why when you take a loaf of bread that stays squishy on the shelf for a month, what's in that loaf of bread is cooked vegetable oils that make the bread stay on the shelf and stay squishy for a month. It's a preservative. Those preservatives extend the shelf life of almost every packaged food, including the ones in your health food store, but they definitely don't extend our life. They do, which is really crazy, lower cholesterol levels, but they actually increase the risk of heart disease in a handful of studies. So that was sort of a bad idea, taking the good fats out that actually have been shown to have nothing to do with heart disease, giving us these replacement fats that preserve the foods and sort of are completely undigestible by us and an increase of those processed foods, those vegetable oil preservative fatty acids, um, increase the risk of what's called metabolic syndrome, which is belly fat, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, and low good cholesterol, HDL cholesterol, by a whopping 141%. And then they put whole foods into the diet, including whole grains like whole wheat, they reduce the risk of all that stuff by 38%. Uh, we have a, a really major imbalance when we took uh, the saturated fats out of our diet, we replaced it with omega-6s, and the omega-3s, which are the fish oils and fish and things like that, have, we used to be way more than the vegetable oils, which are the omega-6s, now we have this major shift in our, in our, in our predominance of, of the fats that we eat, way too many omega-6s. And the omega-6s that we eat are oftentimes mostly highly processed, and that's really bad. Good quality omega-6s, like in nuts and seeds that are done in the proper way, can be actually very fine. But again, the problem is that our, our, our proportions are way out of whack. Anyway, so those oils directly congest your liver and gallbladder, directly linked to obesity, because that's about burning fat, directly linked to depression, because that's about using fat as fuel, keeping you stable, long-lasting energy, and then you get depressed, and directly linked to diabetes, because believe it or not, Type 2 diabetes is a liver congestive concern, not a pancreatic concern. That happens later in the diabetic diabetes process. Metformin, the number one diabetic drug, type 2 diabetic drug is a liver uh, or a drug, doesn't do anything for the pancreas. It works 100% solely on the liver. So, and, and then, of course, the final piece of that puzzle is the gross global breakdown of our digestive process and the deep congestion of our gallbladders. Therefore, we have to play, uh, spend a lot of time on the liver. And the two detoxifying systems in your body are your liver and your lymph, right? If those guys are bad, you're in big trouble. And we talk a lot about the lymphatic system because that's the lining of your intestinal skin. If that's bad, aging, inflammation, uh, autoimmunity, cognitive decline, 
uh, infection, um, weight gain, all the bloating, holding on to water, swelling, immune compromise, all this stuff happens from the lymph. And then the liver, liver is the second line of defense for detox. And when that gets congested, your bile becomes sick. You're going to have issues with uh, digesting your fatty foods and things like that. So some of the symptoms, and I have it in the ebook, it's right from the ebook, some of the things that you would sort of, you know, ask yourself, do I really need a liver cleanse? And this is really right for me. Things like, do I ever get nauseous after a meal? Do I get, feel heavy uh, or, or sick uh, after a high fatty meal? Do I ever, or burp a lot? Uh, do, I ever, do I get occasional heartburn after a meal? Why would you get a heartburn? Well, because if your liver is not making bile, your stomach is going to say, well, I just ate a ham sandwich or a greasy burger or whatever, and I need a bunch of bile to, to neutralize the acid and buffer the fats that I just ate, and I'm waiting for the bile to kick in, and I'm getting no response from those guys. So the stomach says, I'll just hold on to the acid until you guys get your act together, and, and that causes nausea, it causes burping, it causes heartburn. It's not good. It's called gastroparesis. It's where the stomach holds on to all this food and acid and fat way too long. It pushes everything up and not good. Bad thing. It actually pushes things up and causes pressure against your diaphragm. Your diaphragm can't contract and breathe the air into the lower lobes of your lungs. That's where the calm nerves are. That's where the digestive activation nerves are. So if your stomach is stuck up against your diaphragm, your diaphragm can't contract, you're not going to breathe deeply into the lower lobes to turn on digestion and help you be calm and handle stress and repair and rebuild. It's crazy, but it all connects, right? Your stomach's connected to your diaphragm. Your diaphragm is connected to your handling of stress. And they all truly connect. And they're very important to understand this connection. And I take you step by step through this process in this ebook. I, I love this ebook. I, I think it's going to be a great resource for you guys so you can make sure that your liver is happy and healthy because it's critically important. Um, um, what else? Do you have trouble digesting wheat, dairy, soy, grains, beans, corn, nuts, seeds? Hard to digest stuff, right? If you can't digest it, that means your stomach probably dialed down the digestive fire and now you can't cook the hard to digest stuff. Do you ever have sluggish, greasy, green, pale gray stool. Some of the questions I got, uh, people were saying I have pale stools. That means there's no bile in it. The bile is congested. We got to get that fixed up. Do you have gas or bloating after a meal, tight or tender under the ribs? One of the things we're going to talk about is what I call the tummy tender test. One of the prerequisites, if you have pain underneath your stomach, you're not ready for a gallbladder flush. You got to fix that first. Okay. So these are the things we need to understand. Um, do you have a history of gallbladder problems? And you have to say, okay, you know, let me troubleshoot my gallbladder. Let me troubleshoot my ability to make some bile and, and, and emulsify some fats before I go into this major liver cleanse. It's what we're actually asking you to do in this, this one month long prep. Uh, do you feel better with digestive enzymes? If you do, then that means your pancreatic enzymes, which come from your pancreas, right? And they go into your small intestine. Before they hit the small intestine, they join together in 91% of us with the gallbladder ducts. If the gallbladder ducts are congested with bile sludge, right, which a lot of us have, then the pancreatic enzymes can't get through the bile sludge. The bile can't get through the bile sludge. You can't do your fats. You can't buffer the acid. And you can't deliver the pancreatic enzymes so you don't digest much of anything. You take a digestive enzyme pill, which is pancreatic enzymes, and you feel like, great. Okay, well, that just means that proved that you're it doesn't mean you're not making digestive enzymes. It means you're not getting them where they need to go. And here's the problem. Those enzymes can backflow back into your pancreas and start digesting your pancreas, which is really not a pretty picture and problematic. 
And then the bile, which is congested, means the fats can backflow into your liver and cause fatty liver issues. So that's how they get both of those types of conditions. Both of those are not good. And I've written some articles about that. You can dig in deeper in that department as well. Um, do you feel pain or ache under the right side is where your gallbladder is. And if you have an ache under there, it's got to go. Okay. And, and, and that, and that could mean you have gallstones. It could mean you have liver, you could have inflammation in your liver. It could mean you have congested bile ducts or bile sludge it could mean a whole lot of things. So before we go in there and just sort of kind of, kind of blast you, if you will, the gallbladder contract and surge a lot of bile through a congested bile duct, it's not a bad idea to just test and see how resilient that whole system is. And that's what this prerequisite program is about. Um, and the ebook is really, and that's what this podcast, that's what this whole discussion is really about. Make sure we have a, a, a safe um, priority steps to uh, ensure safety. Um, do you have any history of constipation, loose or mucus in your stools? Okay. Not allowed, not allowed to have mucus in your stool. If you have mucus in your stool, again, you don't get your $200. You don't pass go. You got to fix that up first. I've written a lot of articles about that. Please, I refer you to a lot of articles that are on my website about mucus in your stool and poor digestion. We've got a four-step program to reboot bowel function and intestinal skin. Go there because that's important. Do you belch a lot after the meal? Again, that's everything holding onto your stomach too long and everything going up. Okay. Some of the symptoms that you may experience, like gas, bloating, indigestion, food intolerances, Occasional heartburn, constipation, looser stools, gray stools, pale stools, yellow stools, headaches, uh, blood sugar concerns, because blood sugar is liver, uh, nausea, stomach discomfort, abdominal discomfort, chest discomfort, breathing concerns. All that chest stuff has a lot to do with, your, with the stomach being pushed up against the diaphragm um, because... Bile is a log jam and it won't let any go through. So that's in Ayurveda, it's called upward moving vata or udvarta. In Western medicine, it's called uh, gastroparesis, where everything stays in your stomach too long. It's just bad for that to happen. So that's why I wrote this ebook. And, um, and, I, and I'm, I, I really think it's just logical to take these steps to repair uh, intestinal health and digestive strength and liver function before we go diving into this. Because like I said earlier, there are risks associated that people, uh, he people I've seen have, you know, a handful of concerns, chronic skin issues and eczema and yeast infections and migraine headaches and fatigue and exhaustion and depression, chronic abdominal discomfort. And, and, and I don't mean to say all that to scare you by any means. And most people do really well and there are miraculous results with this cleanse. This cleanse is very, very valuable. I've been doing it for a long time because of that. And at the right time and the right place, there's, there's just no other therapy that can do the trick, okay? Uh, but let's go over the procedure. Let's go over the process. Well, the first thing is for a month, get off of the processed foods. You know, look at your labels. If you don't understand what's in it, on it, don't eat it. You know, bread should be, you know, wheat, whole wheat, organic, whole wheat, salt, water, and or organic starter. And that should be all, and everything else. If there's any other stuff in there, you should recognize those as just regular food, foods that you have heard before, seeds and nuts and things like that in the bread. It's fine, but not uh, chemicals. And definitely, definitely, definitely not any cooked omega-6 polyunsaturated vegetable oils. 
even if it's organic expeller pressed canola oil or something like that, still has some really issues. And I've written some articles about that that, that talk about the science in that regard. And there's a lot of the in the ebook a list of the the chemicals that are in a lot of the processed foods that you want to particularly avoid. Okay, so do that as well. Uh, the second uh, the second thing is um, uh, making sure your liver has function. Okay. I talked a little bit about the, the liver function and, and how it works. And, and that's really important because, um, and I wrote about that in the ebook in detail, and, and I go over that, which is really valuable. I want to take a minute to talk about when you do this liver flush, um, the gallbladder contracts. And what, how the liver flush, what the liver flush is about is taking apple juice generally or malic acid substitute of some sort, cranberry juice, for a period of time to open up the bile ducts and soften the sludge that might be in your liver or your gallbladder. And um, in the research, one of the studies done at the, in, in one of the big prestigious journals called The Lancet found that the stones that came out of the people during these cleanses were nothing more than a combination of digestive enzymes and olive oil and lemon. And they call them soap stones. Um, you know, and quite frankly, when you mix oil and you digest it, uh, with citric acid, you're going to get soap. That's what soap is, is a mixture of oil and citric acid. And um, so you're going to get a soap. But soap's not bad because soap does clean things. Um, what I thought was really interesting in the study, because this is what they kind, of, they kind of basically declared, that these liver flushes are a myth. And I, and I have the science in the, in the e-book that you can read, and, and I go over it in detail, uh, because they were just soap cells. Well, the cleanse that they used was just a one-day liver flush, which this cleanse we're talking about here is a seven-day liver flush to prepare you properly. So that sort of didn't make any sense. And they only measured 75% of the material that came out of the body. The other 25% they didn't measure, and they found that 75% of that stuff was just oil and, uh, oil and lemon juice and digestive enzymes, which didn't really make any sense. And again, I just bring up that point, like, boy, wouldn't it be nice if science tried to figure out what was really happening here? And what I think was really happening here is that the the, the olive oil is uh, the olive the, uh, the the apple juice and the malic acid is opening up the bile ducts and getting everything to open up. When you actually contract the gallbladder and you pump out these stones, they're not gall stones as we think of gall stones. Gall stones are rocks, usually calcium alkylate. They're hard. They sink to the bottom of the toilet and they're going to be at the bottom of your toilet. You probably won't even see those. The things that are floating on the surface of your toilet are congealed pieces of bile, bile that have been congealed uh, and, and sort of scrubbed together by the, uh, the combination of the olive oil and the apple juice and the lemon juice uh, and the grapefruit juice. All that is going to sort of pull these toxins to the bile and then congeal it, sort of encapsulate it, and then allow it to come out in these sort of congealed stones. So they're not what I would call classic gallstones. I think it's congealed bile sludge, which is a medical term. It's a real thing, bile sludge. Um, and I think when you take the olive oil and the lemon juice, you sort of congeal it, and that's what you're actually seeing come out. Whatever you want to call it, it's really good to get that sludge out of there, out of the gallbladder, the bile ducts, the pancreas, so we'll talk more about the cleanse in a minute. But anyway, the research is sort of sketchy. But the, the understanding of the bile as a Pac-Man, the gobble of toxins in your liver and how important that is, is so critical and so important for us because it's what gets rid of the yuck. We have six, what is it? No, four 
billion pounds of toxic chemicals dumped in the American environment every single year. 62 million of them are cancer-causing. So if your liver is not gobbling up all those fat-soluble toxins, and that's what we're talking about, mercury, fat-soluble toxin, environmental pollutants, fat-soluble. The bad stuff that we have to process are fat-soluble. So the bile is the Pac-Man to gobble up the fat-soluble 4 billion pounds of toxic chemicals in the environment every year. It's really, really important. And if, it's, and if you're constipated, then you've got some issues because that toxin is going to come back to your liver. So a couple of the prerequisites, and I'm just going to go over these sort of quickly, but I want to get to your questions as well. Uh, taking a green drink once a day for a month, one beet one day a day for a month, and I give you the science behind all these in the, in the e-book, so I'll spare you the, the boring science, but it's there. Um, uh, bile boosters are called cholagogues. Cholagogues mean they decongest your liver and your bile. So what are cholagogues? Things like artichokes, beets, apples, uh, celery, um, artichokes, uh, ginger, uh, fenugreek, uh, turmeric. Fenugreek increases the contraction of your gallbladder by 75%. Turmeric does it by 50%. These are major gallbladder contractors. So you want to, hey, why don't we take some cholagogues in our food for a month to help get the gallbladder contracting so it's getting rid of the sludge and we actually do a big major flush. You're not taking this massive like mother load of yuck into a system that may not be able to handle it. Okay, um, Ginger, fennel, and fenugreek tea with your meals. Uh, I love, that's so easy to do. Uh, and I tell you how to cook that down in the, in the ebook. Fiber, 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 fiber is so important. Hunter-gatherers ate 100 grams of fiber per day. We eat 25, if we're lucky. 20 is average. Fiber attaches to bile and takes the bile to the toilet. It helps you make new bile. If you don't take enough fiber in your diet, the bile, 94% of it, according to the science, will get reabsorbed back to your liver and your gallbladder. And that bile is sort of now old because it was just reused. And it'll reuse, you will reuse that bile up to 17 times before it finally gets flushed out. Like, for example, if you were like feast or famine, you were in the famine time, like winter, sort of famine for ancient humans, and they didn't have a lot of food, we would use that fiber, that bile up like 17 times to keep getting, emulsifying more fats and scrubbing the intestinal tract and doing its job. We didn't have a, 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 a whole new dose of fats in our diet to help us make new bile with. So that was for survival. It wasn't because we have no fiber in our diet because the diet in ancestral was really high in fiber. You know, everything we had was, was, was natural. The, 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 the tubers, the beets, the, 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 uh, the nuts and the seeds and the, the wheat and the grains and the grasses, all of them were loaded, loaded, loaded with fiber. And I tell you how to get 50 grams of fiber, which is a goal. I don't think 100 grams of fiber is even realistic for most people, but I teach you how to get 50. Uh, and I give you some recipes and strategies. And the, 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 the secret ingredient is beans. You can't do it without beans. Beans are the highest source of fiber in anything that we eat. So you got to do it uh, with beans. One to two teaspoons and one to two tablespoons of, of one to two teaspoons of lemon juice and one to two tablespoons of olive oil before you go to bed every night for a month. It's an exercise for your gallbladder. So we're pre-exercising your gallbladder. So once again, when we actually ask you to do this major flush. Everything's really great. And then I have some herbs and I give you the, the herbal ingredients and you can get them on your own, but there's three herbs that I use. One called Gentle Digest, which is a combination of ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. All five of those spices before a meal. 
I love this research. I think it's so fascinating. Those spices alone are like phenomenal for digestion, but when you put them all together, they increase the strength and production of your own digestive acid, produce your own bile, your own pancreatic and duodenal enzymes. So they help you do the digesting. So you don't, you get on these pills or powders, get better, get off. You don't have to take any of this stuff forever. Or not, you take a digestive enzyme or hydrochloric acid pill, you're on it for the rest of your life if it's the, even the right thing to do. But these are resets for you. Another herb called liver repair, which has uh, a lot of bitter roots like barberry and turmeric and gaduchi and amalaki and, and phylanthus, which is uh, called bumi amalaki, which is one of my favorite herbs of all time, uh, to help decongest your liver and your, your liver and really help your liver make better bile to decongest the yucky fats that have been stuffed into your liver, like fatty liver, because the bile is sludgy and it's, you can't emulsify those fats, so we just sort of stick it wherever we can stick it, which isn't you know, very, very wonderful. Um, so that's really important. And then, of course, uh, the beet cleanse, which is an herbal pill that we take as well, which is beets, fenugreek, cinnamon, and an herb called shieldjit, which is a deobstructant that kind of rotor-rooter out the tubes, the bile tubes, which are very, very important. So that's the first step for a month. The second step in our prerequisite program for a month is what's called the tummy tender test, where you stick your fingers up underneath your rib cage here, and you get way under there, particularly on the right side or the left side, either way. And if you have tenderness, stiffness, or, or toughness, or tightness there, then you may have what we call upward moving uh, vata, udvartana, or gastroparesis, or your stomach and liver potentially could be stuck up against the diaphragm, compromising your diaphragm's ability to contract to bring the air down into the lower lobes of your lungs, activating calm receptors in your lower lobes called parasympathetic receptors that tell your body life is not an emergency, I can rebuild and repair, there's no bear chasing me, and I can digest. When you don't have access to that, we start breathing in the upper chest, which is the fight or flight receptors that tell you that there's a bear chasing you, get up a tree, save your life, don't digest anything. Run, 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 run. Two different nervous systems based on how you breathe. If you want my first book, Body, Mind, and Sport, was all about the research between nasal and mouth breathing. Still think it's the best work I ever did, that book, uh, finding that there was meditative brain waves in your brain when you exercise with your mouth closed, breathing through your nose. The brain slips into a meditative calm during vigorous exercise. So imagine being totally calm, meditatively calm, during vigorous exercise. It was unprecedented finding. Crazy, crazy stuff. Same premise here. When you breathe into the calm, you activate digestive strength. You gotta be able to do that. So the tummy tender test, read about how I tell you step by step how to do that. I've got videos on that. You see my Eat Wheat book. I've seen digestive miracles by getting rid of the tension underneath here. I even like putting a, 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 like a muscle vibrator massager up against underneath here and vibrating this whole area like a visceral massage with a, with a massager sort of, sort of vibrator device that you can get underneath there. I want to do a video showing you. I, have this, this, I will do a video showing you how to do the vibrator so you guys can see because it's a super amazing technique for upper visceral massage because the tubes are like tiny little tubes in there and a little bit of thick bile sludge and you're done. No bile gets through there. You get congestion in your liver and gallbladder and it happens so insidiously and by the time you get some liver pain and pain in here, it's already been a problem, you know, for a, for a very, very long time. Uh, so that's step two, okay, in our, in our journey to be ready to prepare for the, 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 uh, the, the gallbladder liver flush. 
And the second, the next step is being able to do one of our cleanses, the one of the Ayurvedic cleanses, which uses ghee, either our four-day short home cleanse or our Colorado cleanse, which is a two-week cleanse. The, 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 both of those cleanses use ghee to force a cleanse and a detox using a technique called lipophilic mediated detoxification, which means you take a bunch of fat, good fat, it hooks onto bad fat, toxic fat, and chelates it, escorts it out of your body. And there's some really amazing science. One study showed it reduced about, it actually detoxified about 14 different heavy metals and pesticides and PCBs and preservatives um, out of your body for three months in one study after the cleanse and six weeks um, in another study. Pretty amazing research on an ancient, ancient technique using lipophilic mediated detoxification, basically using fats to detoxify you. That's exactly what the liver gallbladder flush is. It's a lipophilic mediated detoxification, something Ayurveda figured out a long time ago. It's been revised and rebooted and evolved to a beautiful thing. Um, and I think it's very important to know about this revision. Um, but don't forget that the Ayurvedic way was a kinder and a gentler way to do that. No doubt about that. Uh, when you do the four-day uh, short-home cleanse, you take two, four, six, eight teaspoons of ghee in the morning that forces your gallbladder to contract. And if you can do that successfully, uh, you've challenged your gallbladder, you've done everything else for a month, you're in good shape. You're ready to go. Uh, if you do the two-week uh, Colorado cleanse, you have, um, you have um, a, a three, a four-day preparation with whole food diet and some digestive herbs to reset digestive strength, seven days of the ghee with higher dose of ghee, you have a regular dose of ghee and higher dose of ghee to really challenge the gallbladder. I think that's always better to see if you can challenge your gallbladder, only increasing the dose of the ghee every morning uh, if you're comfortable with that. And then you have a three-day digestive reset with whole foods again. And there's a whole plan, a book, and cookbook, and recipes that go along with the color of it's, it's, it's a, you know, one of the other caveats about cleansing and detoxifying, I always would say, is like, you don't really want to go do a cleanse unless you know your body can, in fact, detoxify. Oftentimes the body, the reason why the body stuffed the yucky fats and the chemicals in the fat cells, or in the brain even, is because the body didn't know what to do with them because the liver was so congested and liver lymph was so congested, so the body just put it in the attic or the basement trying to get rid of it as a holding pattern. And if we go and just pull it out and detoxify you, and we'd have a reset digestive strength or the ability to detoxify, we can create some problems. Again, what's called healing crises or detoxifying casualties. And that is something that, you know, I've been doing this a long enough time to know that I, I, we don't need to go there. We don't need to create these detoxification casualties. No doubt, don't get me wrong, you do these, even the short home cleanse or the, or the Colorado cleanse, it's going to expose the weak link in your system, but in a kind, gentle way. So you might go, oh, I have indigestion or burping or heartburn or constipation. It's going to let you know that, and it would be really good to fix that, in my opinion, before we do the liver gallbladder flesh, because that is a very aggressive cleanse. It all happens with six days of preparation, but in one night, boom, it all happens. So a lot happens in that one night. It's very cathartic. It's very powerful. But you want to make sure you're ready for it. So we, we don't have any, we don't risk any, any issues or things like that. So that's important um, as well to do the, um, the Colorado cleanse and the... Um, uh, or the short home cleanse, either one of those cleanses, because they use the ghee, the original sort of 
liver gallbladder flush to actually do that. And, and um, in the name of time, I'm not going to go into details about the cleanse. But that's in the ebook as well, to a certain extent. You can learn more about the cleanse, but I do definitely think you need to perform one of those cleanses before you're ready to take on the last step, which is, in fact, the actual gallbladder flush. And the gallbladder flush is a seven-day cleanse. For, the, for six days prior to the cleanse, you take 32 ounces uh, of apple juice every day or uh, a malic acid substitute, uh, which is the, the chemical, the acid that actually, actually sort of dilates the, the uh, bile ducts and softens the sludge inside your gallbladder. Uh, and I take you step by step through this entire process in detail, and I want to get to your question, so I'm going to sort of zoom through the cleanse here a little bit. And then on the seventh day, you have a no-fat breakfast and a no-fat lunch. At 2 o'clock, after 2 o'clock, nothing uh, but water. At 6 o'clock that night, you take uh, three-quarters of a cup of water with a, um, uh, a tablespoon of Epsom salt. Epsom salt will again open up and swell the bile ducts, pan uh, pancreatic ducts, and uh, cystic ducts, all the liver, all the bile carrying ducts in the liver and gallbladder. Open those up and do that at six o'clock and eight o'clock. After that eight o'clock dose, that you should have a loose stool and a loose bowel. If you don't, I highly suggest doing a water enema to help get you to flush out most of the fecal matter from your intestinal tract to clean things out. And that's all in the ebook as well. And then at 10, then at, uh, 10 o'clock at night, you're ready for the flush. And you, you do this right next to your bed because you want to lie down immediately. That's a half a cup of olive oil with three quarters cup of grapefruit juice. You stir it up, mix it up, shoot it down. And then you take a, 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 a lemonade, a little, this is the best part of the whole thing, uh, which is a half a cup of uh, lemonade with, made with a half a lemon, juice from a half a lemon with a teaspoon, half a teaspoon of uh, honey, stir that in, and then you drink that down, and that just feels so good. It's a little more citric acid, but it helps to sort of relax your stomach a little bit, and then you go to bed immediately, and then during the night, you're going to get some contraction, maybe some bowel movements, and look very carefully. You'll see some spile sludge coming in different sizes and shapes and colors, and I talk about what they all mean in the ebook, but little tiny ones, BB-sized ones are from the bile ducts or the biliary ducts in the liver. Uh, the, uh, the bigger ones are oftentimes from the gallbladder, the medium-sized ones from the bile ducts, and if they're black and dark and brown, they're very, very old. If they're green, they're sort of fresh. So, um, and you, and, and you, the idea is you do this until you have a couple of cleanses where you, where you don't um, see any, um, any of those congealed pieces of bile, where it's just clean, liquid, loose bowel movements coming out after you do the flush. The next morning at 6 o'clock, if you're feeling strong enough and, and uh, you had, didn't have a rough night, then you can continue the flush with uh, the Epsom salts and the, um, and, the, uh, and the water in the morning at 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock, and you break this with fruit juice at 10 and fruit and vegetables at 10.30, and that's all. takes you step-by-step step through the whole process, and you want to make sure you finish this whole thing with loose, watery bowel movements that don't have any bile sludge in it. And you use enemas to ensure that because you want to make sure that you flush your whole system clean. And that's pretty much it. That's the cleanse. There's lots, lots, lots more details about how to do the liver flush in the ebook. And there's, of course, lots more details about the one month, month long prepar uh, preparation that goes along with that. You know, and also the thing that I, that I really, I, that I see, you know, is that most of the time, most of the people's problems are solved in the month of preparation and then not as frequently as you might think, do we actually need to do the gallbladder flushing? Um, uh, although, um, like I said, preventatively, to really go in there and you know, 
really flushed liver and the gallbladder uh, can be a really great thing to do as well, but sometimes not necessary. And a lot to do with, you know, how, what your strength, stamina, age, vitality level really truly is. Okay, so I've got some questions here I'm going to read, um, and we'll keep digging in here. Some of these questions I probably answered. Um, what are the risks of a liver cleanse and how does it affect the um, gallstones? Well, uh, I talked about the risk and I talked about gallstones. Yes, if there's gallstones in there, one of the studies, it was, a, it was an ultrasound study that I cite in the ebook, e showed that the, there was a significant reduction of gallstones after the bile flush. So there were some pretty interesting signs there too. You can look at that, which I thought was valuable. I mean, really valuable to see that there were some signs behind this thing. Uh, what is your opinion using castor oil with lemon or coffee to help detoxify the liver uh, and move the bowels? Um, I used castor oil for many, 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 many years. And it's harsh and unpredictable, but very effective. And because the way castor beans are harvested, there's a lot of issues around that. Very, the castor bean has risalinic acid, a very toxic substance. It's what Mussolini used to exterminate people. The, the constant, the extract of the castor, the risalinic acid. And so I don't use it anymore because I, I want something more consistent and reliable and, and safe. So I don't use it. Coffee, uh, to move your bowels. Anytime you're using a laxative to move your bowels or a coffee enema. Coffee enemas, I just, I just see patients get addicted to them and then they can't move their bowels unless they do a coffee enema. I'm not a fan of that at all. I'm a big fan of self sufficiency. Get on, yes. Get better, yes. Get off, yes, of whatever you're doing, because the goal is self-sufficiency. Do you believe different blood types for different approach? Yeah, for sure. Everybody's different. And that's why I wrote this whole ebook, is because everybody's a little bit different. Now, I didn't map this out according to blood types, um, but I would venture to say that there's probably a lot of, of really good logic there that can be applied to understanding who needs to do this cleanse or who would who may even you know, uh, have better success with it, but I haven't done that or gone with that at all. Um, definitely not my area of expertise. Um, can I do a liver cleanse while drinking alcohol? No. Uh, I've tried, uh, but can't give it up. Usually drink three glasses of wine twice daily. Um, well, you know, it's only six days. And what I would do is this prerequisite to help get your liver to decongest first. And oftentimes when you get the production of better bile, then you're like, delivering fats better. When you deliver fats better, your brain is more satisfied. When your brain is more satisfied, you don't think about pulling down the menu and going, okay, what do I need to feel for, to get from, to cut it down here to up here, which is either with sugar or chips or candy or alcohol or wine or beer or whatever. And we crave stuff because where our brain chemistry isn't getting what it needs. So if we can deliver that, then I bet you could do six days and do this flush without a problem and to help decongest that. So uh, take a look at that. I have non-alcoholic fatty liver condition. Uh, in my early teens, I had hepatitis. What do you recommend in a case like mine doing exactly what I said? Uh, and I talked about exactly how that happened. Read the ebook. You're gonna love, love, love the ebook. Um, I, uh, I got the book, The Amazing Liver Gallbladder Flesh by Andrea Morris. I've done the flush three times, and the first two times got an infection in my navel and also a yeast infection. Do you know anything about it? Um, also, what do you think about coffee enemas? I've already answered this question again in brief. Uh, I don't like coffee enemas because they create dependencies. Um, you know, I think the book that Andrea Morris wrote was beautiful. I, I love the protocol that he lays out. Um, and um, the things that I feel are lacking in that book are science. 
Um, and I think that um, in a proper vetting and preparation of who should and who should not do the cleanse. Um, and that's where I think where I can add that to help, uh, help support what Andrea did, which I think was beautiful, by the way. Because um, uh, he sort of took a lot of the, there's so many, and I write the history of where this cleanse came from and who sort of added to it and kept the, the, the whole thing going. And, and uh, you know, I think he did a really beautiful job of, of sort of, of uh, continuing the evolution of this, of this cleanse. Can a liver uh, cleanse work for a fatty liver? Uh, will it eliminate the fat? Um, theoretically, yes. I have not seen the science to back that up. Because um, I haven't necessarily followed everybody scientifically with, with the, you know, with the scans and things to see if there's liver in their cleanse, uh, liver in their, uh, or fat in their liver as a result of that. But theoretically, yes. Um, what about women after pregnancy, after, bre- um, no. We're not doing this during pregnancy, and we're not doing this um, with breastfeeding. But after, um, uh, after breastfeeding, then yeah, you can totally do it. And if you can, you know, again, but following the, the pr- protocol. You know, in, in the West, we, women don't do anything in general, like in, in India and in China. There's a whole protocol that women do after they give, give birth and deliver babies to repair or build digestive strength and lymphatic flow and reproductive strength. And we don't do a whole lot of any of that. And so this is this whole protocol in the, in the, uh, in the e-book and, 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 and even the, the, the digestive troubleshoot that I give you in my Eat Wheat book, which is the only time I've really written a step-by-step troubleshooting procedure to troubleshoot every aspect of your digestion so you can do things like eat wheat, uh, good wheat. Um, those things are so important if we're going to try to, you know, be healthy as we as we age. You know, because digestion is is the key. You don't digest well, you don't detoxify well. You don't detoxify well, you don't digest well. Um, can this liver cleanse be done with occasional gallbladder cramps? Yes. Um, in fact, that's exactly why you would think about doing it, and you want to make sure that you've prepared yourself properly so you, you those cramps are. Sort of, you've vetted yourself and you've passed all these tests, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Should I do a liver cleanse before the Colorado cleanse or after or both? I suggest doing the Colorado cleanse before. Make sure that you flush out most of the liver sludge that you can in a kind, gentle way, and then do this bile flush. And that's how the protocol reads. Uh, do liver spots on the body have anything to do with health of the liver? Um, yes, because when your gallbladder which is like a Pac-Man gobbling up yucky stuff, right? Isn't gobbling up as much of the yucky stuff as it should. That yucky stuff's going to go into your blood. And it's going to find its way into the fatty tissues. And those fatty tissues are the phospholipid layer of your skin and your brain and places like that. So yes, our skin is a dumping ground for impurities for sure. And oftentimes through the skin, is, through the skin-associated lymph, we dump a lot of the impurities as well. But yeah, so those liver spots are, are definitely a sign that we are not efficiently detoxifying the way that we should. Um, but a lot of that's sun damage too, so you, you know, we're not 100% sure, you know, always. I tried more than once to do uh, my liver gall, to cleanse my liver and gallbladder through fasting, liver flush, but so far, the only thing giving me any relief is apple cider vinegar. With other things, I get seriously ill. Can I detox liver without getting sick in a liver-friendly way? Here's another indicator of someone who did the liver flush and didn't really do that well and didn't really solve the problem. So again, taking these steps that I write in the ebook, 
and you know, so much of what I've written about in the ebook is, of course, on my website in articles and videos for free that you can look in, in the digestive health section and the liver gallbladder section and the lymph section. You can sort of troubleshoot and diagnose yourself. But yeah, for sure, I believe that you can do it in a kind and gentle way. And that's exactly why we're having this discussion. So please get that ebook. That'll be out very soon. Uh, and it's free. So you have all that information for free at your disposal. Uh, being vegan, I don't like the idea of using ghee. I have uh, used it in the past and felt well, but would you like to do the collateral cleanse with coconut or flax? You can do it. Coconut or flax. I would suggest half and half. Or half coconut, half olive, or half coconut, half flax. Half and half, because they're different. And there's more short-chain fatty acids in coconut. Don't really require bioflesh to really kick in that much. And the flax has more of the omega-6s, so you get a better bioflesh that way. So half and half, um, if you don't like to use the ghee. Um, if one has an overtaxed liver because of hepatitis C, can one do a mild version of the cleanse or is it not a good idea? So many symptoms of the allergies flare up even though one follows the guidelines for this sickness. So again, doing the cleanse, you know, again, this one sort of, it's a six day prep, it's a one day sort of cleanse, flush of the liver and the gallbladder. It's a lot for one night, it's a lot. And uh, so people who are debilitated with hepatitis C, they don't have that reserve. They don't have that resiliency. They don't have that energy and stamina to support it. They can run out of fuel. Because what happens to you, what happens when you do this is you're flushing out a whole bunch of bile. Bile is the delivery system of your fats. And the fats are the baseline support of energy to every cell of your body delivered from your intestinal tract through your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system delivers fats in the form of triglycerides to every single cell of your body. If you don't have enough bile to emulsify those fats to make them into reconstituted triglycerides, which is what they are, you're not going to deliver that energy to your fat cells and you're going to be exhausted and therefore really run down. And here's the other risk, right? You don't have that bile flowing, rebuilding it quick enough or a reserve of bile. You don't have enough bile to gobble up a lot of the toxins that were regularly, daily being exposed to. Okay, I hope you're listening to this whole podcast because it's important. Which means that, you know, the pesticides, the mercury that we ingest every day on every organic vegetable, the parasites from a little piece of sushi fish or on anything, everywhere. I mean, we're constantly being bombarded. It's bacterial warfare in our intestinal tract. The good guys fighting the bad guys. It's constant. You take away the bile, even for a day or two, the windows open, the doors open. So you have to be very careful that you don't run the risk of pushing all the bile into a level of depletion and you can't rebuild it fast enough. Most of us have enough stamina to rebuild the bile very, very quickly. It's no problem. Before we've eaten, we've rebuilt it and you just take it easy that next day or two and you're right back and feeling better. But not everybody's that way. Not everybody's that doesn't have that kind of reserve, which is why it's very, very important to, uh, very, very important to, to troubleshoot and vet yourself in this way so you know that you can handle like a short home cleanse, which is very kind and gentle. People without gallbladders do it all the time, no problem whatsoever, okay? Um, to prepare for the cleanse, I eat beets, I get diarrhea. I tried a few times and every time I, get, I had diarrhea, Trifla does the same thing. Does that mean I am clean? Eh. Or is it my pitta dosha? Maybe more pitta dosha. If you eat um, beets and get diarrhea, uh, and you have Trifla and get diarrhea, well, 
you probably don't need triphala, but if you're sort of on the prone to diarrhea side, I would wonder about the quality, integrity, and irritation of the intestinal skin. Is it irritated and inflamed? Look at your tongue, is it bright red or clean red? I call it a movie star tongue, where the tongue is like red and clean and it should be like porous and, uh, porous and, um, um, and um, a little bit of a thin white coating on it. So, uh, but if the whole intestinal tract is inflamed, it'll be a very red, sort of hot, scarlet red tongue. And that means that, yeah, it's pitta, but you've got to cool that down with demulcent slimy herbs like our slippery elm prebiotic formula, things like that to calm things down, amalaki or neem, things that will kind of repair the intestinal skin. I've asked the reflux, will liver cleanser help me? Yes, it will help you, but you want to make sure that you understand why you have the acid reflux. Is your acid reflux due to lack of bile flow to buffer the acids and the acids are staying in your stomach too long? Is your acid reflux due to the fact that your stomach acid is actually too much? Or is it actually caused by too little acid? Or is it actually caused by dehydration? There's a handful of reasons why you can get stomach acid issues and we have to find out why. And then be a little bit more precise about what we're actually doing to fix it. And, um, but again, I would, take, I would troubleshoot that and go through that. And usually most of those problems are resolved in the, in the prerequisites for the liver and bile flush. And the bile flush should take care of it as well because a lot of times it's bile-based. Um, uh, if you have high mercury with liver talk, address the, the heavy metals. Um, yes, to a, to a certain extent. I've never seen any studies saying that the one-day gallbladder flush does that. The malic acid for a couple of days isn't going to get rid of the mercury, but the bile, the oil, the olive oil and the lemon juice will probably, as a part of the lipophilic mediated detoxification, take some of that out of there. But the Ayurvedic cleanse, which is a seven-day Colorado cleanse, has been shown in studies to actually do that for three months after you cleanse significantly. Because I think you have more time to go in there. And, and, and Ayurveda says that the, 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 the ghee every day, a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, isn't just doing a gallbladder flush only. It actually is said to actually absorb into the tissues and lipophilically mediate toxins and grab onto toxins in your cells. There's an old saying when you do the Ayurvedic cleanses that when you, when you're, when you take the ghee, it's called oleation, creating suppleness in your tissues and that you should, when you squish your skin, this sounds really weird, that ghee should come out, like, like yellow oil should come out. Now, that's obviously not the way it really works, but the, 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 the the theory is that you are oleating every cell in your body, so this oil is attaching to toxins in every cell, chelating and pulling them out into your blood, into your intestinal tract, and then you eliminate that out of your body, um, where the bile flush is just one day. So I do make the case that is a seven-day kind, gentle cleanse better than a one-day flush? Mm, yeah, I have, that's why... Most of the people that I work with, I give them the Colorado cleanse and the, and, or the short-term cleanse and I don't have to give them the bile flush. That said, there's additional value, I think, if you're looking preventatively to do the bile flushing. Um, and in some cases, uh, the bile flush is the only thing that really gets it done. So, you know, it's thus the, my confliction of not just putting it out for everybody, anybody, anytime. I wanted to... And, and uh, it sort of dawned on me the only way to really do this is just to write up this whole 
protocol this. I know you heard me say it a million times tonight. So, um, um, does the how does having a gallbladder removed affect the liver, and what can be done to help liver function in spite of losing this organ? Um, I don't necessarily think that doing the liver gallbladder flush would be great if you don't have a gallbladder, but all the prerequisite steps that I give you in the ebook are definitely viable for not having a gallbladder and very important for not having a gallbladder. What would you say about gallbladder polyps and what do you do about them? Well, gallbladder polyps are usually due to irritation, inflammation of the gallbladder, which, require, which basically is due to bile sludge. Again, that's a medical term. And it's a real thing. That's why I say it's a medical term. It's a real thing. Because a lot of doctors say, there's no such thing as bile sludge. Yes, there is. Um, so it's real. Can chronic diarrhea be caused by too much bile? Um, not too much bile, usually. Generally, we don't have too much bile. We have bile. We have an intestinal skin that can't absorb the bile. That's more of a common thing than that causes the diarrhea than the actual too much bile, or a lack of bile can cause undigested food and to go through. Can you speak about the connection between liver and eczema and psoriasis and how cleansing liver can actually do that? Yeah, your digestive system is supposed to break down the proteins, it's supposed to break down the fats, and if those proteins and fats like wheat and dairy and mercury and toxin chemicals don't get broken down in your liver and your stomach and your gallbladder and your duodenal pancreatic enzymes in the upper part, that doesn't work good. And those hard to digest proteins and undigested fats will go undigested into your intestinal tract. They will not get into your blood because they're too big. They will go into your collecting ducts of your lymph. They will collect into your lymphatic system and congest your lymph. There's a thing called the skin-associated lymph underneath your skin. And when the lymph gets congested, it starts pushing those toxins out through your skin-associated lymph in the form of hives and psoriasis and rashes. And that's what causes those things that you're, you're asking about. Um, and if the brain limbs are not draining for the same reason, brain fog, cognitive decline, inflection, inflammation, and even autoimmunity is linked to all that. So yeah, it's a great question, definitely tied to this same thing. What are your thoughts about drinking alkaline water? Does it help with the cleansing? Yes, but remember, drinking alkaline water at a nine throughout the whole year, we, we move in, in a, this is my three-season diet book, and, and, then the, and, and my, our three-season diet challenge, where we put recipes out every month of the year for you to change your diet from sort of more acidic foods in the winter to alkaline foods in the spring and alkaline foods in the summer. And the pH of the foods we eat naturally in a 365-day harvest changes from season to season to season. The bugs in the soil change from season to season to season. So eating water that's super alkaline, pushing alkalinity and alkalinity, cleansing, 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 can deplete you. And you can over-cleanse yourself and become severely depleted. And I only say that because I've seen that happen time and time again by folks drinking and cleansing and alkalizing and alkalizing and alkalizing and never rebuilding. The body, nature's not like that. You don't see greens, 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 greens all year long. You see brown foods in the fall for winter rebuilding, green foods in the spring, fruits in the summer. It's a cyclical annual nutritional cycle. So don't lose sight of that. That's really important. Um, I get why those of us who are older uh, have a need to reset digestion, but why would a very young child have trouble digesting, for example, try trouble digesting wheat? Um, great question. When kids start, when they're born, their digestive system isn't started. There's like very few microbes in there. It hasn't been populated. The digestive strength is very weak. It's a brand new digestive system that doesn't know how to digest much of anything. 
So in traditional cultures, they would make, well, in Ayurveda, they'd make kitchri, they'd cook this stuff for a long time with herbs that are like in the gentle digest, the cumin and curry and fennel and ginger and cardamom, cook it in these spices and make this like pre-digested baby food and give it. That would help to repair and rebuild and strengthen the digestive system. We also process our stress through our intestinal skin. 95% of the serotonin is produced in the gut, manufactured in the gut. So we have all these hormones, neurotransmitters produced by bugs in the gut. And if those bugs in the gut aren't properly, you know, proliferating and established in young kids, it sometimes takes a while for those young digestive systems to gain the strength to digest a lot of the things that we feed it. In particular, digest or process the stress that we oftentimes feed it. Stress, worry, and if a kid is, happens to be a more on the sensitive side, and I think that being sensitive is one of the greatest assets we can have, but if you're a sensitive kid, uh, this can become a problem. Um, and overwhelm the digestive skin, irritate the intestinal lining, cause inflammation, and uh, lymphatic congestion, and bloating, and backflow into the liver, and there you have it. Liver gets congested, bile becomes thick, stomach doesn't want to make the acid, and we don't digest much of anything. So it can happen at a really young age. And with kids, it oftentimes you see a lot of lymphy things happen first, where they get tonsillitis and sore throats and rashes and eczema. Those are all lymphy things. So you see those things happen with kids more than you see like heartburn, which is a long time in the making, lymph congestion causing liver bile flow congestion, eventually causing backflow into the stomach, therefore acid reflux. That makes sense? So anyway, uh, great questions, guys. Um, I've recent, re recently found that my, um, my uh, and I'm going to end here pretty soon because we, we, we're going over a little bit, and if you guys got to run, I get it. I'm just going to answer a few more questions and then um, try to wrap this up in about the next five minutes here. Um, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, I found that my, my T4 is not converting to T3. Um, uh, would liver cleansing help because the, the thyroid hormones are made in the liver? Uh, yes, could. Uh, a lot of times thyroid issues are lymph-related as well. So you need a little bit more of a comprehensive look at that. And you also sometimes need some direct thyroid support as well. So uh, there's issues there. Tyrosine, selenium are involved in the conversion. but So it's sort of a, sort of a global look at the thyroid. You have to look at that. Uh, I wish it was just boom all the time. It's, it's never one thing fits all, unfortunately. I had a problem with breaking out and having hives. I ate a very healthy plant-based diet, include lots of avocados and nuts. Would a liver cleanse help, or, or, or should I restrict certain foods? Hives are a classic lymphatic congestive issue. So I would look at decongesting your lymph. We've got the four-step lymphatic cleansing program, um, or, or a whole lymph kit that we have, which is really, really great. You may want to think about the color of the cleanse. Because, you know, liver and lymph, they work together. You know, liver gets so upset with the lymph because lymph didn't do its job and sent all the toxins from the intestinal tract instead of into the lymph where they should go back to the liver. The liver's going like, are you kidding me? Like, why are they not doing their job? I just dumped the toxins, which it did, into the liver, into the intestinal tract to be processed through the lymph. And all of a sudden, because the lymph, the road is blocked because of all the undigested food clogging the collecting ducts of your lymphatic system in your intestinal skin. Those toxins can't get into the lymph. They go back to your liver. And your liver is going like, wow, really? So, but generally speaking, hives is a, is a, is a, is a skin-associated lymph concern. Please read in my lymphatic section. We have a beautiful lymphatic ebook with over 100 scientific references to tell you everything you need to know about the lymphatic system. I think it's really a cool ebook as well. Um, 
After a scary vomiting incident and a subsequent CT scan, I had a, I found I had very, a, a lot of a large gallstones and scheduled for gallbladder removal this Friday. Now on a low-fat diet. I'm taking Beta Plus supplement at the advice of a friend. What else can I do to prevent further problems after my gallbladder removal? This is a great question, and I wrote an article about this. You know, you take your gallbladder out, and then what? Did you, fix, did you actually fix the problem? Because of what caused the liver to get congested and the gallbladder to get congested in the first place? You take the gallbladder out, we didn't really solve anything. We just took the gallbladder out. We didn't realize deal with the issue. And that's really an important discussion. And, and the, prep, the prerequisites that I gave you for this bioflush, all of them, except for the bioflush, can be used to prepare you. And read my liver gallbladder articles, read my lymph articles, read my digestive reset articles. Um, really become an expert in, in your digestive. It's not complicated. Trust me, it's not complicated. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to, to figure it out. You know, it's, it's very logical. The human body is the most logical thing. And, if we, and what I try to lay out, like in my Eat Weed book, in the troubleshooting guide, is how to troubleshoot and understand where you specifically, your digestion went wrong and how you can bring it back with whole foods and herbs, simple, and get it back in balance. Um, being new to your website and podcast, I haven't come across any uh, references to Shivambu, urine therapy. Um, um, urine therapy is a thing in India. It's sort of like a homeopathic kind of thing because there's a lot of metabolites and toxin, but toxic metabolites that end up in the urine. We take them in a very titrated form, sort of a homeopathic way to, to tr trigger an immune response uh, to fight some certain things. Um, it's called the hygiene hypothesis, where, where toxins and irritants can be can, homeopathic kind of effect, where they can trigger an immune response. I don't use urine therapy because don't have to. We have so many more tools at our disposal. Um, and uh, I was exposed to it in India when I was doing my training there and it never really felt like it uh, delivered the benefits. And the cool thing about Ayurveda is so many different therapies that you don't have to necessarily do some of the things that um, just don't feel right uh, to you or are a little crazy. And uh, this one, for most people, it's a little crazy. Um, uh, any difference uh, in a cleanse if you want to gain weight? Yes, uh, would be interested to know uh, in relationship to your short home cleanse. Exactly, the short home cleanse is a great way to actually do get a detox without getting into a cleanse where you're actually you know losing calories. And we have three dietary plans in all in our short home cleanse and our Colorado cleanse called the mono diet, which is a more of a weight loss diet, the duo diet, which is kitchery or rice and beans and vegetables, and the poly diet, which is poly like a lot of stuff. And, and, you, and you, so you would eat off of the poly diet and, um, and you would do it that way to make sure that you didn't lose any weight. So yeah, great question. Um, I have known defects in my genetics when it comes to detoxification pathways um, and have not done well with cleansing in the past. I'll struggle with liver, elevated liver, liver enzymes and joint pain and inflammation. How can someone like this still cleanse in a safe way? Very important, very, very important question to know what you gotta troubleshoot the real cause. The MTHFR deficiencies, the methylation deficiencies, they are, they're, they're real. 
But in so many more studies, more and more studies are showing that these genetic differences are not making up the real reason people aren't detoxifying well. It's lifestyle, diet, exercise, weak digestion, broken down digestive systems from diets and processed foods and stress. And those are the things that we're talking about. And I treated every day of the week these MTHFR deficiencies or defects. I treat them all the time and have great great success rebooting digestive strength in the face of these genetic weaknesses. I totally understand that. And I hate the idea that, in one study, I hate the idea that you're told that you have a genetic deficiency and now you're, you've got a life sentence. It's not true. The science says that some of these, that, that these genetics make up only 25% of our ability to function. 75% is lifestyle. So 75% of the imbalances that we may experience our lifestyle, diet, behavior, exercise, things like that, diet, fixing your body, they're repairable. And the genetics make up 25. So more and more and more, we're seeing that this idea of the genetics is, is a premature life sentence. So I hope you can, 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 uh, can uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ray of light and a ray of hope to know that I'm not you know, destined to have trouble my whole life but there's usually some troubleshooting you can do to find out where things have gone wrong, do some rebooting, and your body will perform. It's amazing. Um, I, I, I wish I could hear your details and help you more specifically. Um, nobody else seems to have this problem. They can't seem to digest. Coconut oil, school goes pale. When the, school, when the stool goes pale, you don't have bile. You need bile flow. Bile flow is the issue, so go through the prerequisites. Any kind of pale stool, no bile. That's bad. Eat fatty food, you have pale stool. That means your body said. I don't have the bile to do the coconut oil, and I'm in big trouble, and that's, that's because of lack of bile. So that's got to happen. Is roasted dandelion root tea good? Um, I prefer uh, not roasted, but it's fine. Um, I'm a skin therapist. What are the, toxic, what are the effects of toxic tox liver on your skin? We sort of talked about that. If it's okay, I'm going to skip that one. Um, what is the depth to which an organ is cleansed? When you follow this protocol, does liver cleansing need to be done on a regular basis? Yes, how often? I'm a big believer of seasonal cleansing spring and fall, so we do our big cleanses, the Colorado Cleanse spring and fall. That's really all I do is spring and fall. Uh, I do the Colorado Cleanse twice a year, and I feel like that's adequate, uh, more than adequate, because it's a digestive reset. And the big thing that we all trouble or have issues with because of the processed foods in our diet that are insidious is lack of good digestion. And that's where the Colorado Cleanse does a digestive reset, a detox reset, and a cleanse at the same time. And that's why I do it twice a year. I wouldn't miss it. Um, and what's the best way to protect livers from food and environment toxins on an ongoing basis? I think I just answered that. That's how I do it. I cleanse and reset digestive and detox trends twice a year with the Colorado Cleanse. And then if I feel like I need a little extra, these liver cleanses are great, um, for sure. Uh, what's your favorite demulsion herbs to use as a single? Do you stick with one? Uh, my favorite demulsion herbs are clear. We have a product called the, the, the uh, Slippery Elm Prebiotic Formula. It's a combination of Slippery Elm, licorice root, and marshmallow chopped, soaked in two quarts overnight, boiled down to a half a cup, half a quart of water, strained through a metal strainer, tablespoon dosages like the Pepto-Bismol commercial, coat your whole intestinal tract with this natural prebiotic slime. And then you can, from there, do whatever you want. You can lay down colonizing probiotics like our gut revival to repair the intestinal tract and reboot your intestinal skin, then reset digestion. This is not complicated. It's not. It's simple and it works great, I think, because it's simple. Anyway, um, 
soon, in the next couple of days, you're going to get the email for the, for the new ebook, the, the Safe Liver Gallbladder Bioflush ebook, which I think you're going to love. Um, and uh, I got through a lot of your questions. I'm sure there's more. If you have more, you can always email us here at uh, john at lifespot.com. Thank you all very much and uh, enjoy safe liver cleansing. Talk to you next time in our next podcast. When we talk with um, Rod Stryker uh, about uh, the, uh, say, the, the, the real meaning of tantric uh, yoga and also our melatonin uh, interview with uh, Paula Witt, who's a PhD researcher on melatonin. Two really going to be fascinating podcasts, so, so stay tuned for those. I'm Dr. John DeYard.